everyone. My name is Patrick LeBlanc, your host, and welcome to Insights Tomorrow, brought to you by Microsoft. Let's deep dive with leaders and innovators in the data space. We're going to explore the challenges, the opportunities that organizations face in their data journeys. In each episode, we will invite some data leaders, experts, and some practitioners who share their unique perspectives on how data transformation is changing their business. Let's explore this data journey together and what it means to you. Hello, everyone. This is Patrick LeBlanc, your host of Insights Tomorrow. And today, today, we're going to do something just a little different. So... Most of us don't know the people behind the scenes, but I get to work with a great group of people, especially the genius behind all this. Her name is Sweta. She's, I call her the producer, the director. She does all these things. She keeps me in line, making sure I'm answering the right questions, asking the right questions and things like that. And today we're going to switch it up. Welcome, Sweta. Welcome. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you for having me. And so before we get started, why don't you tell people who you are and what you do? Hello, everyone. I'm Sweta Manipalli, Senior Product Marketing Manager at Microsoft. Let me give our listeners introduction about my career path. I started my career as an ETL developer and wore many hats as a data engineer, data architect, cloud solution architect, before moving into my current role as a product marketing manager. I must share this with you all. When I moved into this role, our CVP Jessica Hawk and my manager Carleen assured that we are ready to listen to you and trust your ideas. One such idea is this podcast, Insights Tomorrow, and I cannot thank them enough for truly standing by what they say as it changes the world around us for the greater good. When I initially approached Terence and Tyler, they trusted the idea with complete conviction and made it happen to get us this far in our journey. Thank you for the wonderful team that we formed to make it happen. Really appreciate it, guys. Now, today is a special day for me personally. I'll be interviewing the interviewer. It's not an easy job, as I'll be interviewing our very own host, Patrick LeBlanc. Like many of us, I watched Guy in the Cube videos before moving into my current role, and I'm amazed by the wealth of knowledge Adam and Patrick has, and they pretty much answered all my analytics questions. Patrick, are you ready to be on the hot seat? I'm I'm nervous. (laughs) You are a rock star. There's nothing for you to be nervous about. (laughs) I'm a little nervous, but let's do it. Let's do it. I'm ready. Perfect. We have a lot to discuss, but before we jump in, let's talk about our recent launch of Microsoft Fabric. It's just been a little over a month into public preview launch, and you hosted the YouTube live event alongside Adam on May 24th and 25th. Can you share about that experience a little bit? What was it like emceeing this event? And we cannot forget, Fabric is what Satya called the biggest launch of a Microsoft data product since the launch of SQL Server. It is Pretty big deal. Yeah, it's pretty big. And I will tell you this, I have talked to more people about this product than I imagine I would talk to people. It's honestly been great. The experience though, so when we were asked to do it, I will tell you, I couldn't believe it. I was blown away. Arun Ulog, uh, we were we were actually in Redmond at the MVP summit and he came up to Adam and I, he was like, you guys are going to do this and you got to just 
go off the rails. And I was, it was an honor. I was blown away. And we got to go up to the uh, Microsoft Studios and Tyler was there. And we got to record these segments and we worked with, you know, the entire team to do everything, made some mistakes. We had some fun. So before people actually got to see all the content, Adam and I got to see everything. We had to come up with these questions. And believe it or not, believe it or not, a lot of the, the comments and things were, pretty much on the fly. You know, it's pretty much on the fly. We kind of gave a brief look at it. And, you know, Adam and I have this synergy and we have this banter that we just, it's just a natural banter that we have. And I, I hope that we get to do it in person next year. That's my my next goal is that we'll get to go up to Microsoft Field and be the host in person. So it was amazing, phenomenal. I was honored. I was humbled. But, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll get to stand in front of people next time. Wonderful, wonderful. Now, getting back to the Insights Tomorrow podcast, Patrick, can you believe it? In just three months, this is our ninth episode. And we talked to a lot of data leaders touching pretty much every topic under the data umbrella. Let's take a look back a bit of all the amazing sessions that we have done so far. Are we ready to jump in? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Perfect. What are your biggest takeaways from talking to these data leaders on topics like the data conundrum, organizations dealing with data governance, the blooming of AI spring, etc.? What is your take on all of these topics? So I'm going to date myself. I've been working with data since the 1900s. (laughs) <laughs> I love when you say 1900. It makes me look so old, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> I've been working with data for over 20 years. I accidentally started and I was working with Microsoft Access and I built an Access application to help me do my job better. And then, um, you know, I went and got a master's degree and I started doing some SQL development and I started developing managing, you know, I was a DBA and I've seen this whole thing go from, hey, you need to proact build look at performance columns on your physical hardware to where we are today with all these different technologies that you can just spin up at the click of a button. If if I'm an IT leader right now, I'm not looking for a person with a specific skill set. This is one of the biggest takeaways that I've gotten from all of all of these interviews we had. I'm looking for people that's eager to learn because IT or technology is changing and growing at this rapid pace. We see this with fabric. We see this with fabric. Right. And if you're not willing to pick up a book, watch some videos, go to a course, break something, learn something new. If I don't have those type of people in my IT organization, whether it's governance, whether it's lake houses, whether it's data warehouses, I don't data science, AI, it doesn't matter. If you don't surround yourselves with people that are eager to learn and willing to, you know, make mistakes and fail and then learn something from those mistakes, I there's no way your company will succeed. You know, I talked to Buck Woody. I, I, I talked to so many people. I've talked to Arun, you know, about all these things that's coming out. And take Arun, for example. Imagine the people he surrounds himself with. Think about all the brilliant people, myself included, right? Think about <laughs> all the brilliant people he surrounded himself with. And that's why he's achieving the level of success, because those people are thinking outside the box. I mean, think about all the stuff we saw at the bill, not just the uh, Power BI and the fabric stuff. There were 
all these co-pilots. There was so many phenomenal things that we saw. So, you know, while the tech is important, going down a specific path, learning Python, learning Spark, learning how to build Lakehouse, all that stuff is great. You got to have the people that's willing to learn how to do those things, understanding why governance is important, why AI has a space in your organization. So, yeah. Absolutely, Patrick. I, I totally agree with you because gone are the days where you think you know something and you stay there. Um, you got to be adaptable. You got to pace yourself with what is yes. changing. It's an everyday learning business. Yeah, it is. It is. It's every day. Every day. My son, my son is working on a degree in IT and it's so funny. They are using Dreamweaver to build web pages like Dreamweaver, but whatever. And he's <laughs> like, I can't get this table in the code to center. I'm like, you got to put center tags around it. He's like, how did you know that? I'm like, because I'm, I'm learning constantly, man. I'm 50 years old and I learn something new every day, Absolutely. every day. And that's how you have to be. That's just how you have to be. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's the only way to survive in this rapidly changing world. Well, like you mentioned, Patrick, and that is so true. With every everyday evolving technologies, you got to be on top of everything. It's a learning yep. experience. Now, the next topic is very close to my heart as a data warehouse professional myself. Can you give our listeners your take on Priya Sati's episode? Where are we heading towards in the data warehouse space? Is data warehouse gone? Where are we going towards in the data warehouse space? So I'll tell you a funny story. So Adam, Adam and I do the YouTubes. Every mm-hmm. most people know that. And Adam and I recorded an episode. We got on together. It was a Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. And he was like, we need to do a session on is the data warehouse dead? And of course, I say, no, no, it's not dead. And so we had this whole discussion. We went back and forth. It was you may even consider it an argument. It was a debate. Right. (laughs) No one will ever see that video. He refuses to release that video. I don't know why. I thought it was a phenomenal recording, but it's it's funny you ask that question. We just had this conversation Mm -hmm. and everyone we've interviewed, I thought was phenomenal. But the conversation the back and forth, the personal conversation that Priya and I had about this data warehouse, it really shared some light for me because I've been designing data warehouses for a very long time, not since the 1900s, but the early 2000s. I've been designing them for a long time. And every time there's an article that says, oh, the data warehouse is dead. If you think about a lake house today, if someone's building a lake house today, what type of structure do they make available to their report consumers? What are their report consumers actually going to use to be, do their analytics against a star schema? What is the foundation of a data warehouse? Absolutely. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I didn't write the book on this. I'm not Ralph Kimball. I didn't come up with these things. Mm-hmm. But what's the foundation of that lake house? It's a star schema. What's the foundation of a data warehouse? A star schema. Now, You can say, Patrick, well, that's just a logical layer. It's a logical data warehouse layer on top of your lake house. That's exactly what it is. So is the data warehouse dead? I would say it's an aging framework, right? It's an aging framework that I I still think will have relevance for years to come. Will people start moving away from designing a physical structure of a data warehouse? Possibly, right? Possibly. But the star schema approach, I think, will exist I don't know, well beyond, well beyond my years, well beyond my years. I don't know if I can come up with this analogy, but um, you can be a famous poet and you can, you can be the best writer in the world, but you start with alphabets and it's as simple as that. Um, yeah. you, you could come up with all these fancy words and technology, which is great, but the basics and foundational elements will be intact for, for a long time to come. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
my my favorite thing. So I, I I'm recalling the the episode with Priya, and I experienced well data warehouse lake house. Which did you choose? She goes, well, which one do you do better? Which one are you more familiar with? I, I was yeah. like, wow, that's pretty simple. That's pretty simple. <laughs> She's like, choose your path. Do you yep. want to go write SQL? Do you want to write Python? Do you want to write Python in SQL? Right, choose your path. It's completely up to you. And uh, you know, that's the flexibility of the products we're working with these days. That that's the beauty of it. So yeah. yeah. Now here comes the topic that is on everybody's mind lately: AI, artificial intelligence. Is it going to replace mankind? I love how Bakwadi took us on a journey in, in his episode on blooming of AI spring. Patrick, educate us with how you see the world changing with AI, and maybe throw in an example that we can all relate to. So, Adam and I spend way too much time together, but I have to. I'm gonna preface my my answer with this. We were at a conference and someone was trying to write some, some I forget the code they were trying to write. And Adam was like, let's just open up chat GPT and ask it. And it started producing, it started producing the code. It started producing the code. And I was like, oh God, why? I can write this code. I don't need chat. I can go and write this. It'll, I'll get a few errors, but I'll figure it out. I don't think, and we got to the solution. It produced a framework, it produced a template for us that we could use, but I still had to go in and modify it and shape it to fit. fit. I didn't, but the, the two ladies that were working on it, they had to go in and make some modifications and shape it mm-hmm. to fit the solution, right? Exactly. And so I think AI is becoming relevant. And some people would debate and say, oh, it's absolutely everywhere. It's not everywhere. It's not everywhere. Mm-hmm. I did a presentation at the users group recently and I said, how many people, there were 70 people in the room, 70 something people. And I said, how many people are actually using AI in production? Only two people raised their hand. Wow. Only two people, right? <laughs> so it's coming, right? It's coming. It's something that's relevant. Will it replace our jobs? I don't think it'll ever. I don't think we'll ever have Skynet. I don't know if you've ever seen, uh, I think it's called Terminator. I think it's Terminator at Skynet. I don't think we'll ever see anything, at least not in my lifetime. Not saying that something like that may not exist, but in my lifetime, I don't think we'll see anything. Mm-hmm. I think AI will help us do our job more efficiently. So if you think about all the co-pilots and all the auto-generated things, you know, so you ask it to do something, it generates it, but you still have to go modify it because mm-hmm. you want to you wanna put your voice or your twist or, you know, add your own, your own style to whatever it produces. So yeah, it'll help make us more efficient, replace us, never mm-hmm. replace us. But <laughs> I do think it's coming. It's going to be relevant. All these things that people are talking about, we just have to be really cautious and, and, and really aware of what we're doing with it because, you know, we can inadvertently do things. I can remember when chat GPT first came mm-hmm. out, people were putting company information in it, exposing things. You got to be really careful. This mm-hmm. takes us back to the governance conversation um, where there has to be some boundaries around it. So, is it going to replace our jobs? Is it going to no? Is it going to revolutionize the way we work? Absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I feel. I, I think so. T- totally. Yeah. Revolutionizing how we work is absolutely there. But that that's what Microsoft brings to the table. When whenever we talk about AI, they don't let us talk about AI without adding responsible AI. So that's where we draw the line on making AI you know responsible. So yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Now we can talk. AI all day long, but let's segue into some data basics and as fellow humans, everyone has a story, Patrick. But before we move on to my next question, I would like to share my own journey as I come from a small town down south in India. I did my undergrad there. I came to US to pursue my master's in computer science at age 22. Traveled out of country for the first time ever, landed in the place of opportunities, 
with nothing but hopes. While my story is simple, some stories are far more powerful and inspiring that they transform us as individuals. Of course, I'm talking about our esteemed guests, Amir Nets and Arunulag, who shared their humble beginnings and how they really built a legacy in the world of data. What yeah. was it like talking to them about their journey, Patrick? Because it, it definitely inspired me like no one else did. I, I've been inspired by many speeches, and but this, this is very personal and I was very connected by their humble beginnings. And I'm sure whoever listened to their episodes, Amir Nets and Arunulag, they, they can stand as an inspiration that yes, anybody can reach to the heights that they are in the world of data as, as long as you have the dedication, you have the passion for what you're doing. So what, what, what did you feel about talking to them about their journey? So first, I will say this, Amir's presentation many years ago, we talked about the presentation mm -hmm. he did with the, the bubbles, the, the, I forget what it was called, but he was on stage with Satya and the bubbles were flying everywhere and he's talking about the music and I was in the audience when he did that. And to have him tell like the origin story of that. And then mm -hmm. the origin story of, you know, Tabula Model and the analysis services and to get all that backstory. And then to hear a room talk about, you know, hey, I was a TS, a technical specialist at Microsoft who just sent an email mm -hmm. to the CVP of this thing. And he told me to meet him and come talk to him. It was so inspiring. It was so inspiring. You know, it's like, wait a minute, I can do anything. I can do anything if I just speak up, right? If I just speak up, if I take a chance, think about Amir, he was saying the technology wasn't even there. And they, they were at Microsoft and they were talking to these engineers and they was like, okay, go do it. And they went and did it. They went and did it. A room emailed James Phillips. And then the next thing you know, he's the CVP of all data at My Microsoft. Goodness. We're just talking about a couple of emails, change their lives, right? Change the trajectory of their lives. And in a sense, I can relate, right? I'm not the CVP or the technical fellow. You, but, you never know. You could be there. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But it was a simple email from Adam. And Adam was like, hey, you should join me on the YouTubes. And I'm like, nah, I'm not doing that. It was a simple email he sent to me. <laughs> and I'm like, I am never, ever going to do that. I'm never going to do YouTube videos. I have a YouTube channel. And you should go see how bad those videos are. But it was just a connection, right? We made mm -hmm. a connection and we started talking and I can relate right at a level to mm -hmm. those guys because it changed the whole trajectory of my, my career. And now mm -hmm. right, I'm on the cat team. I've written books. I'm on the YouTubes. I'm here. I got this, my own podcast with Sweta. Uh, I would have never imagined that any of this would happen to me. So those guys, I mean, I was already inspired, but those guys took my inspiration and belief, and belief that I can achieve or do anything to the next level because it's just simple. I mean, you were there. You, you witnessed both of those during the recordings, and I was just shocked and awe during the entire thing. And it's like, you know what? It's time to step my game up a little bit. It's time to step my game up a little bit. <laughs> no, I, I want to give you um, one more thing while we are on this topic, Patrick. The first time that I talked to you, I was on a customer call regarding a Power BI. I don't think you remember this. Okay. But it was a Power BI discussion with one of our strategic customers. And my colleague, hopefully, who is a good friend of yours, she pinged you and you were available at the time. You, you jumped onto the Power BI call to talk to the customer about what we are trying to solve for them. 
And that was a fan moment for, for me because I have seen you on YouTube videos and here you are on the same call as I am. And I took a screenshot of it and I sent it to everybody. This is the guy from YouTube. So yeah, everybody's journey starts with how you inspire others and you already yeah. did it for me and many others. And it's an evolving process. And the two episodes where they shared their personal journey on how they got where they are today it's a goosebump moment for me yes. for a long time. Yes. <laughs> yes. When I got the first calendar invite, and I recommend, I recommended Amir. I was like, oh, we should interview Amir. We should interview Arun, Kim, Priya, all those people. And I'm like, they're not going to show up to the podcast. And when I got the calendar invite, I was like, wait a minute. Yep. That's Amir Nets. And when I got the calendar, I'm like, that's a room. So the next season, I'm going to say, we need to email Scott Guthrie and Satya. And <laughs> <laughs> when I get those calendar invites. <laughs> that's a dream moment for me. I, I never imagined in my wildest dreams that I'll be producing a podcast to start with. With all your support, of course, their entire team is behind it. Tyler, Terrence, they, they poured in their hearts and we're all... Uh, as one team, we trusted this idea and having these big leaders talk about their journey, sharing with the world is, is something that I have not imagined in my wildest dreams. Honestly, right. The, so far, and I'm not knocking up any of the other people, right? Not knocking any of the people, but I've been working with Priya mm -hmm. and Amir and Arun for a very long time. So to get to, you know, really just ask the questions that I want to ask to them was, you know, it was, it was an absolute honor. It was yeah. an absolute honor. Yeah. yeah. Now, the next inspirational guest that we had who talked about data conundrum discussion was Karthik Ravindran. Karthik is, is a motivational speaker in many ways because I've, I had the opportunity to work with him for a very brief period of time, but he took my inspiration on how you perceive things to a whole different level. Now, during his episode, he talked about the data conundrum and how organizations are dealing with it, while also having Jiva AKR, who enlightened all of us by demystifying what data modernization patterns are. I know you loved those conversations in our first two episodes, which really kick-started our Insights Tomorrow podcast to, yeah. to start with. Now, how do you think we should help organizations to internalize those learnings so they can pave a path towards their digital agility and data modernization, Patrick. So the, the, they have to start, right? They have to start with this conundrum. They need to identify that there is a problem in their organization with the data strategy. You cannot overcome it. Everybody thinks, oh, we have data and this team should do their own thing. This team should do their own thing. And then you have all these pockets of data. There's the conundrum, right? We have all these data silos that are just spread across all of these organizations. How can anyone make true informed decisions when Swetha's calculating profits this way, Patrick's calculating profits that way? Who's right? Yeah, exactly. Who's right? So how do we know if a particular department or you know group or organization is not performing at the level they're supposed to perform if we're not synced up? on how, you know, our basic business rules. If we're not synced up on that, how do we succeed? And so the first thing, the first step, I think, and just from my conversation about the conundrum, is we got to overcome this big conundrum and all get synced 
on the same page, mm-hmm. right? That's what I think, right? That's just is my opinion. Once we get synced on the same page, then we can't get in this holding pattern. And I remember, I can't believe I remember this from when we when I talked to him, but we can't get in this holding pattern and think, okay, we've overcome this, we've implemented, we've gotten around the conundrum um, and it's status quo. It's not because there's going to be new things coming. There's going to be new data sources. There's going to be new people. There's going to be new business rules. There's going to be new challenges. And then that goes into, you know, hey, which, which strategy, which data strategy are we going to implement? So we talked about this on the second episode with Jiva about, hey, what strategy are we going to implement? And I could think about today, if you think about today, right, we talked about Priya, we talked with Priya and we talked about the warehouse or the lake house. Which one are you going to do? Which one are you going to use? It's such a difficult question. But at the core of it, if you go the lake house approach, which I think that most people should really consider these days, as much as I love the data warehouse. The data warehouse is the best thing that was ever done. Ralph Kimball was a genius with his start schemas. People are like, well, Patrick, you should talk about Bill Inman. Not talking about Bill Inman, I'm talking about mm-hmm. Ralph Kimball. Mm-hmm. And so no offense to Bill, but if you think about the lake house, you get the both the best worlds, but at the, at the foundation of it is your data lake. Right. Where is all that data going to reside? And can we come up with common places to place that data and efficiently share our data across our organization, our domains? Right. Totally. Totally. Right. And so if we can come up with with some type of pattern like that, where we've agreed HR owns HR data, Mm -hmm. payroll owns payroll data, they're going to design their data warehouse, their data mart, whatever it is. But it's going to be in the lake. And they can share it with other people that need access to it. Instead of us reproducing it multiple times with multiple business rules, we have this one standard. We have this one standard that we should be able to use. And everybody start leveraging the HR data from the HR experts, leveraging the payroll from their data mart or data warehouse or data lake, whatever it is, however you want to do it. I think that's going to eliminate all these inconsistencies and us trying to make decisions going forward with our business. That's what I think rightly pointed out on some of the challenges that organizations are dealing with, with inconsistent data sets, because Lakehouse, pretty much like you mentioned, it solves the fundamental problem of do not first duplicate your data. At the same time, there's only one one data across the organization. You could, you could add rules and definitions and reason codes all, all day long, but you're working off of the same data set. So that's the fundamental idea and those patterns really come to life. And I loved how Jiva was able to walk us through that in his oh, It was amazing. So now this really brings us to our next question, where we brought in a healthcare customer, Andres, who shared a wealth of information on dealing with PII data. And we yeah. cannot forget how our governance conversations with our CDOs, Eric and Kumaran, they had so much to share on how to wrap your arms around data sprawl while democratizing it responsibly. Now, I love that they talked about data governance being a team sport, Patrick. How do you see these two topics of customer PI data as well as you know, governance coming together? Yeah, I mean, they have to come together. There's no ifs, ands, what's about it. When I first started working for Microsoft, I worked in U.S. education. That's the team. I was the only... Go, EDU. Uh, we, <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have any... It wasn't data and AI. I was just a data TSP. I did all SQL. I did. We didn't have all the fancy Azure and stuff back then. Maybe we did have a little inkling of it, but I was installing on-prem, well, VMs, SQL and VMs, setting up availability groups. But I can remember the conversation we had with some of the universities. It was like social security number, 
we have to mask and we have to protect social security number. And the challenge that they faced was a lot of the times, let's say the hack was not malicious. It was unintentional. People expose social security numbers. They put them in spreadsheets and they just share them. They drop them on file systems. Then I went on to work for public sector. So I was working with government customers and HLS customers. And it it just, I saw it even, it was so important, but no one was talking about governance back then. No one, no one. I joined Microsoft in 2011. Now, we would bring these conversations up about governance and when we were talking to customers, but it wasn't a priority. But now with all of the misuse of information, all everyone's being hacked, governance is so important. And instead of, you know, a lot of people think about governance at the end, what I think should happen because of all this personally identifiable information that's being stored. I mean, think about your address. Do you want everybody to know your address? I don't know if I don't, I don't want people to know my, I don't want everybody to know my cell phone number. You know, I got a random package at my, I was telling Adam about this. Somebody sent me a random package, some shoes. Cause I'm a, I like sneakers. Wow. Yeah. And I still don't know who they came for. I don't know how they got my address. I have no idea where these sneakers came from, but anyway, thank you. Whoever sent them to me. Thank you. Uh, just, please don't show up at my house knocking on my door. Anyway, uh, just, you know, working in those different sectors. And I think you really have to work in sectors where PI could protect and PII is so important to realize how important governance is. Mm -hmm. What we usually see is that governance is an afterthought. Governance is an afterthought. But now, today, with everything that's going on in the world and with, with data so readily available on your mobile devices, on the little games people play, the Wii's and all those things. I said Wii, but that's not what I was trying to think of. But you know what I mean. Uh-huh. Data's everywhere. Data's everywhere. Governance has to be at the top of mind. When we start building out an analytical solution, we should be thinking about our governance process right along with it. This is something that has to run parallel and needs to be a continual iterative process that we're constantly looking up, looking at as we develop out our data strategy and our data estate across our organization. Because if we don't, something's going to happen, right? We're going to lose some data somewhere along the way. And so if you're not thinking at that line and you have PII data, and I think we all have PII data, no matter which sector, which industry you work in, you're keeping a credit card number, you're keeping something in your database. And if you're not if you don't have governance at the top of the mind, you're making a big mistake because I think PII and governance go hand in hand with your data strategy. So it just continues, right? It's just an iterative process that doesn't stop. It is. Absolutely. Well said. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to interview you today, Patrick. This is truly an honor for me. Being a fangirl to where I am today interviewing you is is something that I haven't imagined would, would happen so soon in my career. Thank you so much for first of all agreeing to host this podcast insights tomorrow it would not have been the same without you being the host all these episodes really appreciate your time and commitment to this thank you so much thanks for joining us for this episode of insights tomorrow be sure to catch us next time as we continue the journey to uncover the challenges and the possibilities that organizations face every day You can find more about the show and catch future episodes at InsightsTomorrow.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.